Our we are continuing with our Mashiach series, and we we're learning Rambam using Rambam as the base, the halachic base of knowing as much as we could know about what will happen now in the Messianic era. We spoke last week about the war of Goigu Magog, and I would like to focus now on Eliyahu Hanavi's potential coming before Mashiach. Reading it out of Rambam. I know that we learned this halacha inside, but we ran over the part of Eliyahu or Eliyah, as we'll speak in a moment, and let's dive into it. This will also be connected parenthetically. Right, Rina asked for me to share a little bit how do we put together in, in the context of what we're learning from the Rambam, this statement of our sages that in the merit of righteous women will Mashiach come. The redemption will come. And I would like to propose a possible understanding of that in the context of the Rambam. But let me first begin. We're learning the 12th chapter. We're learning Halacha Beis. Nochamol, that the Rambam says that Omru Chachamim, the sages, tell us that that there won't be any difference between the present life, which is pre-Mashiach, and the Messianic era, it won't be a miraculous change. The world will go on as is, but we will be collectively fully independent. And by the way, that in itself is amazing to make this real. Think about Eretz Yisrael right now. I don't know if there's a will yet from the government to build a Beis Hamikdash, but even if there would have been such a will, it's challenging. There's going to be, by the laws of nature, a lot of pushback. And when Mashiach will come, there'll be no pushback. Not only won't there be any pushback, but all of the nations in the world will be uh, helping us doing what we are meant to do, which is to keep all the mitzvahs. So that's already, that's called non-miraculous, but let's go with that. That's the minimum of what's going to happen. And as we learned last week, I'm just quoting the words again. That in the beginning of the Messianic era, there's going to be what we call the War of Goygumagog. Now that Amam continues, before the War of Goygumagog, before it, Navi, there will arise a prophet, Liyasher Yisrael, that will straighten out the Jewish people, Ulahachan Libam, and he will prepare our hearts. Now, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, that the straightening out the Jewish people is particularly referring to a process which will authenticate the Yiddishkeit of every Jewish person. In other words, there is a halachic process known as birur yuchsen, a clarification of genealogy. Genealogy is something extremely important in Jewish belief and in Jewish practice. Interestingly, this is one of the points that the Western world has it so wrong right now. When it comes to families, when it comes to children, right? That as time is going into the darkness of Golos, we have this mishugas that's taking too much root. And that is, for example, when it comes to children and parents, that parents are the ones who are your parents, not your biological parents. The, bio, the biology of the parents are, are, are mamish secondary, Right, so when when children Rahman al Islam are are left by 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 a parent or by their parents to be adopted, and again we're not judging any individual case, but there's a certain just prevalence of thought that 
the, the parents did not abandon the child. No, the biological uh, parents are allowing the child to find its true parents. And who will be the true parents? The ones that will choose to love the child, which is the greatest mitzvah in the world. But there is more and more some sort of disconnect between the, the, rea- the physical reality and the inner reality. And Yiddishkeit, everything has to be connected. Everything has to be connected. It's not picking one over the other, but one complements the other. So Dafka, the biological parents, should be the ones, are obligated to be the ones to love their child. They don't have the option of allowing the child to find the child's true parents and all these nadish ideas, v'chulei. And Bakhlal and many other areas now of the Western culture that we that they are ignoring the physical facts on the ground. They're just living with the emotional world. And it's very good to be in touch with one's emotional state, but it has to be a continuation of the physical state. And therefore, Yichus is extremely important. Do you know that there is a halacha that if God forbid there's a divorce, or God forbid there is a passing, in other words, a woman right now is no longer married, either because her husband passed away or because she got a get, she is not allowed to remarry before 90 days passes. She can only get married on day 91, halachically. Why is that? Because if she's going to get married earlier, being that Torah, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but it's amazing. Torah knows that there is a concept of a child being gestated only through seven months. Really, there is a child that is fully gestated in six months and a day or six months and only a little you only need to enter the seventh month now in most cases most children need nine months to properly develop and if the child comes into this world before the ninth month then we call that a preemie a premature baby that was not fully developed because it wasn't in the mother's womb for this sufficient amount of time there is an halacha and in a concept of a baby that need that does not need that amount of time so the baby can be born six months and a day after conception and the baby will be fully developed. And therefore, says Halacha, that if a woman now is free to get married again because she's not connected to her prior first husband, if she will choose to get married right away, it's possible that seven months after the, first, after the second marriage she'll give birth, it's possible, and then we won't know who the father is. Even if the child is fully developed, it's possible that the second husband is the, fa- is, the, is the parent, is the father. I, the baby, came out only after seven months or six months and a bit, and the baby is fully developed. Well, that's all that this type of baby needed. Or maybe this baby was fathered by the first husband. I, and, and, it's, and it's within nine months from when the woman was allowed to be with the first husband. You know, halacha doesn't take into account whether she knows whether she was with him or not. Sometimes she can be married to a person who, God forbid, got very ill and there was no relation for many months. Doesn't matter. If he was alive, then Halacha says no one knows what really happened and we have to act as if, we have to rule Halacha as if, if he was here, then they might have been together. And it's so important to know who the father is, is that no woman is allowed to get married within three months. Just pointing out how the, 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 the importance of knowing who the father is and who the mother is and how this really affects so many halachas. I mean, firstly, beginning with who the mother is, whether the child is Jewish or not. Mamish. And that's the reason why up until now, 
Well, we don't advocate surrogate motherhood at all. Because since halachically it was not determined who the real mother is, who the halachic mother is, whether it is the one who carried the baby or the one who donated the egg. And it's important for us to know halachically who the mother is. It's called genealogical purity, yichus. Yichus, same thing as who the father is. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, all of the tribes depend on who the father is. So there are halachic ways through which we determine if the person is Jewish or not. We'll learn later about more halachic ways that are becoming, as time goes on, even harder to determine what tribe you're from. Even though people say that they are kahanim, halachically, um, there's only that amount of trustability in that. Not because the person who's saying that is knowingly lying. But how do you know when you say that you are a client, that indeed you are a client, based on what? If it's only based on what your father told you, which is good, which is something better than nothing, it's not always sufficient. So when the Beis HaMikdash is going to be built and people are going to want to have the schus of working in the Beis HaMikdash as a Kayin, it's not sufficient for someone to say, oh, I'm a Kayin, or my family name is Kayin. I always duchend. Not enough. Not enough. So there's going to be, like we mentioned, there's going to be a genealogical inquiry into every single yid to determine whether they're Jewish or not halachically. That's the meaning of the prophet that's going to be straightening out the Jewish people because without that knowledge, there is a certain crookedness that prevails in the community. And I'm focusing today on the other statement, and this prophet will prepare our hearts. And Shenemad, as it says, that I am sending to you, I'm, the exact words is Eliyah, without the Vav, Eliyah the prophet, and he's going to be preparing our hearts, which means that the, his goal would be to notify us that Mashiach is about to come, and that will inspire us to do even more the our avoida of learning Torah better and doing mitzvahs with more enthusiasm and with greater hidur v'chuli v'chuli because we are about to enter the messianic era. We are about to meet the King Moshiach. Okay, so says the Rambam. Then he continues. And here he becomes ambiguous, saying that he doesn't know for sure whether what he's going to write now will happen or not. Says the Rambam. There are some of the sages that say, that before the arrival of the person, Mashiach, Yavai Eliyahu, Eliyahu Navi will come. In other words, the Ramam writes, for sure, before the Yemais HaMashiach, there's going to be a prophet. I'm focusing now on, not on the genealogical inquiry, which will also happen, but on the prophet notifying the people that Mashiach is about to come. It's called Psura Sagaula. Some people say that that's going to be Eliyahu Hanavi. And he's going to come here to let us know that Mashiach is about to come. In other words, whether Eliyahu Hanavi will actually come or not, we don't know. Actually, there was one of the great um, latter Jewish rabbinic authorities by the name of Rabbi Yonus and Eibeshitz. He writes clearly that when the Gemara tells us that Mashiach is coming, whether it will be miraculous or not, will depend on our avoidah, which is the way that Rebbe explains, why the Rambam keeps on repeating that there won't be any miracles. Really, there could be, there might be, 
But the Rambam cannot put it into a book of halacha. Halacha is absolute. And any uh, worldly event that is contingent on my freedom of choice is no longer absolute. Because if I'll choose better, then something greater will happen. If I don't make that greater choice, then something not as great will happen. And really, that ever holds that if people will be worthy collectively, if we'll have enough schusim, then the coming of Mashiach will be a lot more miraculous than that's being described in the Rambam. So, so he holds, Rabbi Yenison Ibishitz holds, that the same logic is to be said regarding whether Eliyahu Hanavi will come or not, that if we will merit, then we won't need Eliyahu Hanavi. It's only if we won't merit the coming of Mashiach, then we will need an additional amount of inspiration to let us know. Imagine if Eliyahu Navi comes by telling us that Mashiach is about to come. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's really a gift from above, but that would bump us up. That would inspire us to reach a higher madrega in our pursuit of godliness for us to do what we need to do in order for Mashiach to be able to come. Okay, so I want to speak a little bit about this possibility of Mashiach's coming before the coming of... And by, oh, by the way, before I go on, and he answers a big question, which is that many people, right, we, we were educated to, to keep on saying that Mashiach can come this second. This second. And Mashiach can come this second. But if you need to have Eliyahu Hanavi, that's going to come before Mashiach. Eliyahu Hanavi did not come. So how can you say Mashiach can come any second? First, Eliyahu Hanavi has to come. Now, if we don't go with this opinion that Amam doesn't rule one way or the other, he says some people say, if it's only that there's going to be a prophet that is, in, that is notifying us that Mashiach is coming, or that we, that we have, that ever told us Mashiach is coming, and that not only we have it in our generation, but if you know good Jewish history, there was always one of the great, or some of the great leaders of the Jewish people that lived with Mashiach, that kept on arousing the people by reminding everyone that we deep down know that Mashiach can come any moment. So uh, that will be the prophet. In other words, if Mashiach comes this second, ah, we know who the prophet was, and I'm not saying that the Rebbe was the only one. There were many great tzaddikim throughout all of the generations that continuously inspired others, sharing the fact that Mashiach is about to come. So that's the Navi. But if you say, like these Chachamim say, that before the coming of Mashiach, Eliyahu HaNavi has to come, well, Eliyahu HaNavi, I would know, you would know, you, you didn't hear his coming. And we're learning halacha. You can't say that this means some sort of spiritual coming of Eliyahu Hanavi, the way he comes, let's say, to our Seder. Well, that's something else. That's not a halacha. That's not a halacha at all. So I, I did not see Eliyahu. That's because I was not worthy. My neshama saw Eliyahu Hanavi. And a few tzaddikim for sure see Eliyahu Hanavi. Our baby see Eliyahu Hanavi. It doesn't bother me. It's not in the Rambam. But if Eliyahu Hanavi has to come, if that would have been the absolute halacha, so it's what Rabbi Yonis and Ibishit says, so how can any Jew say that Mashiach can come any instant when it can't? First, first, Eliyahu Hanavi has to come. So his answer is, oh, that, El, that Amam himself doesn't say that this is an absolute. He might have to come. He might not have to come. And he links it to whether we'll be worthy. The more worthy we are, the less we need Eliyahu Hanavi. Now this already gives us a Gavaldike insight as to who is Eliyahu Hanavi. And why is it that according to some opinions, Eliyahu Hanavi's coming, revealing himself, and announcing that Mashiach is about to come, why is that a necessary step prior to? Why? And Bachal, what's unique about Eliyahu Hanavi? Now we don't yet learn Nach properly in Yeshiva. I'm speaking about the men, the boys, the Bachrim. 
And I'm sure that you women learned a lot more Nach than most men do. Which is good, good for you. It's just it's our lacking, it's our fault. There is plenty about Eliyahu Hanavi in the prophets. But if you, there is a common theme that once you hear these words and you go back and you read all of the stories that are explicitly recorded, you'll, you'll, you'll see that there's a certain unique ruach that Eliyahu Hanavi has. And I want to, let's say, contrast Eliyahu Hanavi, let's say, with the first prophet with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah says, this is from the words of the Rebbe, that when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the, the house was filled with light. That's what Chazal tells us. Moshe Rabbeinu was an enlightened person. Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that brought the trade into the world. There was, no one, there was no one that did what Moshe Rabbeinu did. However, look at one detail about what happened at the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life and contrast that with the end of Eliyahu Hanavi's life and that will be a key to understand the different avoider that each one of these had. Moshe Rabbeinu passed away and was buried. Like, like, like all other men and women. He, was, he passed away with Nisas Neshikin, which means that the words are that Hashem kissed him and that is what took his Neshama out. With all of the awesomeness of this type of exalted way of passing away, which happens rarely, but it happens to other tzaddikim as well. And Moshe Rabbeinu was, was buried. He was buried by God, that's unique, but he was buried. His physical remains are somewhere in this world. And we know, at least generally, the location in Har Nevoi, in Mount Nevoi, which is Transjordan. That means that whoever of you went, let's say, to Matsada, and you looked over in the direction of what's today called Jordan, you for sure were looking at, at the mountain where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried there. And the Chazal tell us, it says in the Chumash, that purposefully no one knows exactly his burial spot, unlike Aaron Akain, we know exactly where Aaron is buried. There was a fear that people would have made the uh, the burial place of Moshe Rabbeinu into a into a we would have venerated it to the point that it would become already connected to some sort of avodah zara. And in order for that not to happen, it's concealed from us his exact his exact location. Eliyahu Hanavi says in Nach explicitly that his physical remains are nowhere to be found. There is no remnant of him in this world. Now, whatever these words mean, Eliyahu Hanavi, body and soul, went to another reality, which is against all the rules. Of course, there is Olam Haba, there is a world of Neshamas, there are many, many worlds out there that are greater than this world. Greater meaning there's more Chachma there, and there's more emotions there, etc., etc. There's more godliness there. We are at the end of the rung. We are in the last rung of the ladder. But the physical world is of this world. The, the physical body is of this world. The physical body normally is unable to go into a higher reality. It's not Shaykh, it doesn't belong there. Eliyahu Hanavi's body went to the world to come. Went to the world of Ganeid. Neshama Biguf. And why is that? Why did he achieve that and not Moshe Rabbeinu? It must be because the Avoida of Moshe and the Avoida of Eliyahu were different. And the sum result, the end, so the temporary end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life is not the same as the end of Eliyahu Novi's life. And the Nakuda is... Moshe Rabbeinu, like we said, when he was born, the house was filled with light. 
the Ruchnius in Moshe was so awesome that it overwhelmed, it shined out the darkness of the lower parts of Moshe Rabbeinu. Which is great, but real transformation is not that a person, let's say, is always doing the right thing because the godliness in them inspires them to step above their lower part, which is great. The ultimate transformation, dafka happens with a person that's not that enlightened. So therefore, their doing the right thing didn't only come certainly not primarily come because of the great shining of their light, but it was that the lower part of the person itself, he or she themselves, meaning their animal, their their body, that in itself worked on itself and it rose up and it transformed itself to being a keli to godliness. So whether the avoid is coming melmailo lomato, like a person who's born into an amazing family and there was a lot of ruchnius in the house and they are very spiritually sensitive and they had very enlightening teachers and they had very strong spiritual experiences and that person lives through life and they are a bit removed from this world. That's the avoid of Moshe. Eliyahu Hanavi, read about him in, in Nach. First of all, it's not even clear who his parents were. But everything about Eliyahu Hanavi is about him struggling with evil in the world. Not that he, it doesn't say that he struggled with evil within himself, but his avoid in the world mirrors his avoid with himself. Eliyahu Hanavi was a down-to-earth person, so to say, in comparison to Moshe Rabbeinu, that was otherworldly. He was so otherworldly that we call him Ish Elikim. Where do you have that? A godly man. Like the Chazal tell us, he was half man, half God. That's not said in Eliyahu Hanavi. And look at the irony. That Moshe Rabbeinu, that was a godly man. Yeah, he was a godly man. But at the end of 120, his physical body stayed over here. The physical body was, 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 was bottle. It was irrelevant. And therefore, it never got transformed. Dafke Navi, that was not a spiritual person. In other words, he was the greatest Navi. We're not, we're not saying this in any negative way. The Nakuda is, is that Eliyahu Navi was someone that, that struggled with this world, beginning with the worldly part within him. And through hard toil and work, he was able to elevate it, not because there was some sort of inspiration shining from without, but he had that inspiration from within, coming from the lower to the higher. So Adarabo, so he was the one that so elevated his body, the body became transformed. And the body now was able to go into Ganeidah. And being that the whole kavana of Mashiach, as Hasidus explains, which is really the whole kavana of the creation of the world, and it's the whole kavana of God giving the Jewish people the Torah, is bringing God into the lower parts of the world, dafka those that are more, let's say, down to earth, which makes their avoid much harder, because they are so close to the earthiness that the earthiness has a certain pull and hold over him or her. But Davka such a yid through work, Ruchnius Dika, real hard work of not only rising above, but since you're so close to, you transform the world itself. These are the words. Ultimately, this is the ultimate kavan of the coming of Mashiach, which is why, according to Kabbalah, 
the ultimate end will be living here physically. The ultimate Olam Haba, not like Rambam, but the way that Ramban holds is that we're going to be living forever in the physical world because the physicality itself will be transformed. And just like Eliyahu Novi's body, whatever that means, goes into Gan Eden, Gan Eden will be over here, but it's going to be here in this physical world. There's going to be a perfect merging of, which can only happen through a transformation that Dafka has to come only Milmata Lamaila, as we so many times hear these words and hopefully sooner or later we're going to understand it better and deep. Saying the same thing in other words, saying the same thing in other words, that the Koyach of Eliyahu is, Eliyahu Navi, is that he is the ultimate in, he's the ultimate tzaddik that has the Koyach to inspire us. What do I mean by that? When a Moshe Rabbeinu type will come into our room, and he, of course, he will lift us up. He will lift us up because of the sheer presence and the light and the ruchnias that he brings in with him. But that's not the inspiration that ultimately will help us do our avoider. The ultimate inspiration comes from someone who is going to teach you how you inspire yourself. Which parenthetically is the whole sheet of the Alter Rebbe with Chabad Hasidus. Not relying only on a Rebbe for inspiration. That through learning Hasidus, we have to figure out how to inspire ourselves. This is part of Mashiach. A transformation that's coming from the lower part of the Hamil Which also explains something which at first glance seems very strange. Throughout the Gemara, throughout Shas, Many times there are unresolved halachic inquiries. Many times. And the Gemara tries to prove it from one side or from the other side. And if we get stuck and there's no way to resolve it by using jury prudence, which is a Jewish system of using the older works of the oral Torah to uh, extrapolate the halachic ruling for some sort of new scenario, if we get stuck, the Gemara says teiku. Teku means a few things. It also means that Tishbi, Tishbi is one of the names of Eliyahu Navi, he will answer all of the questions. He will answer all of the inquiries. In other words, that if we have a halachic issue that's unresolved, when Eliyahu Navi will come now before Mashiach or with Mashiach or after Mashiach, he's going to give answers to those questions. And the question is, hold on, as great as Eliyahu Navi is, but who's greater than Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was the channel through whom God gave everything. So if the Talmud is basically telling us that until the coming of Mashiach, this is a halachic question that we on our own are unable to resolve and we need higher powers to help us, so why would it not be Moshe who will be the one who will answer all our questions? And the answer is that Moshe Rabbeinu is removed from us. Even when he was living, he was one step above us. He was a divine light in this world. Eliyahu Navi represents us. He's our representative. He's connected to this world. Now, there's a beautiful Hasid Shavart. I shared the Shabbos a while back. Is that Moshe Rabbeinu, after he passed away, he's in Gan Eden for 3,300 years. We're not saying that he's not involved. He's involved, but on a loftier level. Eliyahu Navi comes to every Seder. He comes to every Bris. He's connected to us. And whenever you have a halachic question... It's not enough for you to know the theoretical halachic answer. Of course, you have to know what the Torah says. But you have to understand the reality well. 
You have to understand the person well. You have to understand the circumstances well for you to be able to bring down godly wisdom into the world. Eliyah, godly wisdom, Moshe Rabbeinu has greater access to. But understanding the here and the now, Eliyah Hanavi is the master. He's the master inspirer. And therefore, he's the ultimate also halachic decider. Because he understands the circumstances because he's involved. He's connected in a way that Moshe Rabbeinu is not. And now the Rebbe says, we'll understand why is there a divergence of opinions whether Eliyahu Hanavi will come before the coming of Mashiach or not. The function of Eliyahu Hanavi, the function of someone notifying us that Mashiach is about to come, is in order for us to be inspired to do work on ourselves to go up a step or to go up more than one step, to be more worthy for the great giluyim and miracles that are about to happen. Ideally, ideally, that is something that we have to do on our own. It means in the ideal model, Fakert Eliyahu Novi should not be coming. We have to get there on our own. Eloma, Eloma, like we said, since Titus Emes, and there's nothing in the world that can ever change anything connected to the Torah, which means that the coming of Mashiach is an absolute, is an absolute. But being that we all have freedom of choice, and there is a possibility, there is a possibility for people to constantly use their free choice in a negative way. And in such a dark world, Mashiach cannot come, but Mashiach has to come. So then we will need outside inspiration. Even then, only from Eliyahu Navi from someone that's going to role model us how to inspire ourselves. But the ultimate goal is, is that for us to raise ourselves. And therefore, ideally, we don't need Eliyahu Navi. That we have to figure out how to raise ourselves, how to become self-inspiring people who, who aspire to get closer to God, not because there is a light shining, shining out there, but because this is something that I know from within me is the Emmas. And perhaps that's the meaning that in the merit of the righteous woman, Mashiach will come. Bechal, the, 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 the prototype in Kabbalah between a man and a woman is that women are more connected to this world. They're more earthy. Right? A woman is Malchus. A man is called Zah. Whatever that means, the, the, the ultimate inspiration is not if it's coming Milmailah, which is what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. That Dafke, when the women, the ones that are the most connected, when the women are the ones that raise themselves and therefore obviously will inspire everyone else, that we should do Avaidu with ourselves from within. That is the Eliyahu Hanavi. That is that which will allow Mashiach to come to finish the Avaidu of real transformation that's coming Milmatalamaila. And this also explains why Ramam writes there won't be miracles. Same thing. When a miracle happens, yeah, of course you are inspired. That's because of this light from another world is shining in your life. A miracle happened. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is Dafka, no miracles. And yet we see the light in the darkness. Not that we bring a new light in over here. And that all comes back over here to the sheet of the Rambam that throughout Golos we're saying that there has always been the VM that are preparing our hearts, they're preparing our hearts, but uh, Mashiach is not here yet. It's not because the VM failed. It's because this is something that has to come from within us.
And this is so aligned with the sheet of the Rebbe, as he spoke about Purim in 1987. And then in the very strong Sikha, the Rebbe spoke out, Chav Zayin, Chav Ches, uh, Nisan. That, that bringing of Mashiach it has to be our avoida. Let's use different words. That I am responsible to work on self-transformation without relying on someone out there. Now, we, it's always a balance. If we'll have no one out there anywhere, we're not going to get anywhere. So yes, we need inspiration. But we need inspiration for me to do the work. And the moment we begin to do our own avoida, of taking the lower parts of us and figuring it out how to direct it towards Hashem and how to direct it towards what God wants from us, this is the avoida of Eliyahu Hanavi. This is the avoida that the, the most inspiring. Without doubt, who, who are we inspired the most? When you have this person that you cannot relate to because they're that spiritual and of course they do everything right. Well, good for them. The biggest inspiration the biggest motivation, let's say, comes from a person that's not that ruchniyazdik, that we can relate to them. They have the struggles that we also have. And yet, when that person rised themselves up, that motivates me to do my avodah. And this is something that is generally in the realm of women. This chus nashim sitkaniyas, indeed, that the redemption is going to come about in an instant. Because then we won't even need Eliyahu Anavi, the woman will take the place of Elijah the prophet.